You want some advice, Luke? Sure. Never let anyone pick on you. Otherwise, you'll carry it with you the rest of your life. And those kids at school, they were bigger than you. Yeah. And bring a knife to school. They take it off you and beat you up. You go around their houses at night and burn them down with their families inside. What's the worst they can do? Yeah, okay. Welcome everyone to My Bleeding Ears. This is episode number 62. My name's Larry, your host today. I'm along with Jessalyn, my co-host. Hello. We have a few things that we saw today. Um, well, not today. This week leading up to this episode. Uh, a lot of stuff that we've seen already. Um, particularly, mm -hmm. like, uh, two of the movies at least. Yeah. Uh, the first one that we saw, and I've seen this movie probably about eight times now. <clears throat> and I remember seeing it probably in about 2004. It is the 2000 movie Ginger Snaps from Canada. Mm -hmm. uh, and I didn't know that. Well, I knew that now, but back then I really didn't know it was from Canada at all. I didn't I mean, either. Yeah, I know now because both those actresses are Canadian. So I was like, oh. Right, exactly. <laughs> so um, this movie is about two death-obsessed sisters, outcasts in their own suburban neighborhood, must deal with the tragic consequences when one of them is bitten by a deadly werewolf. Which is Catherine Isabel. This is like one of her first movies that she did, I believe. Uh, well, no, no, actually, no, that's not true at all. She did a lot of movies before this. She did uh, Disturbing Behavior, if I'm correct. Yeah, and what was that? She was really young in that Al Pacino yeah. movie. Uh, Insomnia. I think, yeah. this, I think that was after Ginger Snaps. Oh, okay. Though. But yeah, I remember her part was kind of cut a bit from the Distur uh, Disturbing Behavior movie because that whole movie was cut to shit anyway. Mm hmm. Uh, and, like, another version I don't think has really ever been released, other than just, like, some um, uh, deleted scenes, maybe. I don't know, I gotta check on that. I'm not okay. completely sure, but that movie's okay. It's, it came out in a time where I just really didn't give a shit, and they're like, oh, here's Katie Holmes from Dawson's Creek. Right, which <clears throat> you did give a shit about. Well, yeah, of course I did, <laughs> I like Dawson's Creek. But that was, like, right around the time when all those WB stars started going out and doing, like, horror movies. And, right. And, you know, all that stuff. Mm -hmm. Good old early, late late 90s, early 2000s kind of thing. Yep. So, um, this is a pretty good movie. It's, uh, I, I, it's about girls becoming women for the, uh, for the most part, yeah. Which is kind of what werewolves are about anyway, but this is the first one that I can think of where they make it a woman, a girl, and not uh -huh. a boy, not a teenage werewolf. Right, exactly. Yeah. Please, take it away some more. I mean, this is your wheelhouse as compared to mine. Yeah, well, so um, they're, I mean, they're outcasts and kind of on purpose. They they cling to each other. They don't really have any friends, but it doesn't seem like they really want any friends No, either. no. Um, they alienate themselves from the rest of the group. Uh, 
neither one of them have gotten their period, and I believe they're 16 and 15 in Yes, this? yes. And it's, so it's kind of weird that they haven't yet. I knew a girl, actually, in high school who hadn't had one, and she was, like, 16. Yeah, I mean, it's not unheard of, right. but it's odd. I think it's odd that she told me that, though, so... <laughs> yes, that is odd. Yeah, it is odd. She probably felt weird about it, because all of her friends got their period. I know, and I was going out with her friend, I don't know what she told me. Oh, that is... <laughs> that is yeah, that's super, super weird. Super weird. We're, we're getting off <laughs> So they are obsessed with death. They photograph each other like in uh, dead positions where they cover themselves in blood. Or hanging or something. Or hanging themselves, yeah. They're obsessed with that. Um, and when Ginger gets bitten by a werewolf, it's symbolic of her coming of age. And right. her hormones are all, all out of whack. She starts to be attracted to boys. She starts pushing away her little sister, played by Emily Perkins. From It, she was the original Beverly Marsh. The, <laughs> right, yeah. Made for TV, It. Um, she doesn't look like she ages ever. No, I mean, a little bit in Supernatural. She has a really funny part in Supernatural. Yeah, I've seen she her. She does well, look like an adult in that. I've seen her in a, uh, at least one episode from Supernatural. Yeah. And yeah, she, no, she still looks like she's more she like 18 years. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> she's obsessed with Sam. It's funny. Um,. So anyway, yeah, it's like a coming-of-age story, only it's, she's turning into a werewolf instead of turning into a woman. Um, it's really good. You told me about it. I had never heard of this movie. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I loved werewolf movies. I think I was arguing with you back then that The Howling was better than American Werewolf in London. I know. Which is ridiculous. You learned. I had not seen <laughs> The Howling since I was a very young child, and it turns out I don't even really like it that much. Anyway... Uh, so yeah, great coming of age story. I love that they kind of flip flop the gender. So now it's a woman turning into a werewolf and not a, a man. What do you think of the werewolf design? That they didn't go like more of a traditional. It's like white hair. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, yeah, she's not as hairy, but they do make a big deal of her growing hair where she didn't have hair before, right. much like women do and men yeah. when they come of age. Yeah, the hair in my ears is fucked, man. I hate it. <laughs> Well, well, I think that's more symbolic of, like, leg hair and pubes. Oh, oh okay. Your hair comes later in yeah. life. <laughs> it sucks. It sucks. You can't cut fucking ear hair. It's horrible. Whatever. <laughs> Keep going. Shut up. <laughs> well, that's all I really had to say with, about it. So thank you for telling me about it, because I've seen it several times since then. I fell in love with Catherine Isabel. Like, fell in love with her as in I saw her from across the room at what flashback weekend yeah and i was way too scared to go anywhere near her and we went to a panel and she was so nice and so funny i was just like i can't let Catherine isabel know what an idiot i am <laughs> i'm never gonna meet her ever uh so yeah great movie check it out it gets an a from me uh yeah it gets an a from me also it's it was a very surprising horror movie and mm-hmm. i wasn't expecting that at all what did you think of the sequels I don't even remember them. <laughs> <laughs> I barely remember the second one. Yeah. I remember it was pretty slow and pretty dark. Yeah. Uh, I do want to see it again. And the third one, like, uh, Ginger's back, and it's like they once were, like, I don't know, part of, like, a Native American tribe or something like that. It was something like that. It was, it was weird, and it was just kind of, I believe it was just kind of a retelling of the first one again. Okay. But I, mean, I don't remember. I only saw it once. There's a tendency to wrap up werewolfism into Native American lore. And I don't really know how I feel about it, but it happens a lot, so I'm not surprised. Oh, I gotta read up on that. Yeah. See if there's a lot of werewolves and or wolves at least in Native American lore. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, we'll check it out. We saw the other Firefest uh 
documentary, the the Netflix version. Yes, we had seen the Hulu version last week, and we told you about that. And yeah, we saw this version this time, and I liked it a little better than the Hulu version. This was um, a bit more from from people who were there and who helped put it together, yeah. other than guests there and people who reported it. Right. Instead of, like, the Instagram influencers complaining and Instagramming. About their brand. Right. Which they couldn't even name what their fucking brand (laughs) was. Like, what's your brand? Uh, well, it's, you know, just being nice and, you know, (laughs) loving life. Right. This was more, yeah, they interviewed. We even got some footage of Grant where, uh, who was like their crazy marketing director. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we get to see some footage Hulu, of him. Yeah, Hulu didn't have any archive. I mean, neither one has an interview. Hulu and Netflix don't get an interview with Grant. Right. But at least you get to see some archive footage. Because hearing about it on Hulu, he sounded nuts. And I was like, I really want to see this guy in action. And he's not as nuts. No, I guess they really didn't show us yeah. all the, the crazy parts with him in it. But it's 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 another interesting documentary. And I liked yeah. it. I, I, I love watching these fucking... Me too. These young jerks just get ripped off. <laughs> I like how much they touch upon what this did to businesses. Like a restaurant... Um, Oh, yeah. This woman owned a restaurant, who and she was supposed to be supplying the food, and she never got paid for it. She ended right. up having to take $50,000 out of her savings to pay the caterers who right, worked yeah. for her. And luckily, I read that there's a, there was a GoFundMe yes. page that refunded all her money. So that's wonderful. Plus People are some. great sometimes. Like yeah. twice that amount. Like she got like a hundred grand, at least a hundred grand. From that's that awesome. Girl. Good for her. She seemed like she was a really nice person. Yeah. And, takes care, and that's awesome. She took care of her her own staff and stuff and she didn't fuck them over at all but yeah i mean you really get to see how many people on the island get screwed over because of these coked out idiots (laughs) who didn't do what they said they were gonna do now i do think i like hulu more because like i said last week hulu the hulu documentary didn't have time for anybody's shit at all right yeah they went straight for the the gut on this one this one, one yeah they they do a few more interviews of the people behind it um, you get to see a few more sides of it. I like them both. I think I like Hulu more. You like this one more? I like this one a little more, but check them both out. They're yeah. both pretty good movies, or mm-hmm. pretty good little documentaries. and They show some of the same things in each one, but it's very little. And They show that same douchebag dancing on top of that restaurant that they did in the first <laughs> one. And this one, as we said last week, you don't get an interview with Billy McFarland. No. Because he tried to basically scam Netflix and say Hulu was paying him more. And Netflix was was like, like, you know what, forget it. No, we can do this without you. There's enough archival footage of your stupid ass. Mm -hmm. We can make a whole movie just of you riding around in a jet ski looking like a douchebag. (laughs) So... We dug into Amazon a bit more, and then uh, we just wanted to throw a movie on, and Watchmen was, uh, well, actually it was on Netflix, Netflix, I'm sorry. Netflix, yeah, which I think it just arrived. I don't remember yes, seeing it there. I believe so. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a movie that I we went and saw, I, th- I believe it was a week before it came out in the theaters. We got lucky and got free passes to go yeah. see it. This three-hour fucking movie, <laughs> which... Ends up being about four hours once you do like the whole extended director's cut with all the the uh, the comic book in there and a bunch of different just uh, character scenes and stuff. Yeah, like House Mason and stuff. Which I I like that cut better, which is really miraculous for me to I say know. because I always think that Zack Snyder needs to shave it down. I always yes. think everybody needs to shave it down to other to under two hours. But I've read Watchmen, and I really like how they unfold the 
the comic within the comic. Where right, you hear yeah. the story about the Black man. Black Freighter. Yes, trying to get back to his family. And by the time he does, he's not the same person anymore. There right, is no yeah. family for him to come back to. Yes. That's really interesting. Um, I like this movie. Again, amazing. I do not like Zack Snyder as a rule. Uh-huh. Uh, I do like time? I do like Zack Snyder. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've liked quite a few of his movies that he's put out. He's done the, the Dawn of the Dead remake. I thought it was a very, very good remake, so and did it I. didn't do the same thing as Romero did. It no, changed it, it up a little bit, mm-hmm. which good. Yeah, it should have been. And hell, hell, that script was written by James Gunn too. If you didn't know that. And then maybe that's why I liked it. I <laughs> yeah, liked it maybe. despite Zack Snyder. <laughs> exactly. Uh, I like Three Hundred. Yeah, do you like? Yeah, see, there we go. Yeah, I think I'm just so mad about Sucker Punch. Like I'm yes. still mad. I'm, <laughs> like I just saw it mad. <laughs> so I'll never forgive him for that. So yeah, he's done. I I, I like Man of Steel. Uh, wasn't a big fan of Justice League, but yeah, uh, Batman v Superman, the extended cut, I liked more than the theatrical cut. Agreed, because they show a lot more of why Superman thinks that Batman is a bad guy. And right, he's got yeah. a really good point. Yeah, they got they gave Superman some more lines in the movie. Mm-hmm. He, he only had like sixty some lines in that Batman v Superman movie cut. Mm-hmm. And then I remember reading that uh, when they did the uh, Civil War movie from Marvel, kind of the Spider Man part was an afterthought because they didn't acquire his him yet from Sony. But then later on, like, okay, we can integrate Spider-Man in this movie. Cool. And they finally did. And he's not in it that much, uh, Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. But he still had more lines than <laughs> Superman did in the entire Batman v. Superman movie. Mm-hmm. So, there you go. <laughs> <clears throat> so, getting back to Watchmen, <laughs> one of the things that people were completely divided on was the end. Because they changed the end of the graphic novel. Barely. They barely well... changed it. Instead of the city being attacked by a big squid, it just blow the city just blows up. Yeah. Because I think it's better. I'm one of the people who thinks that's a better ending. Yes, I do too. Because I mean, how can you explain a big squid? Right. I mean, well, how can you explain a bunch of all the other shit that's going on in this movie too? Right. But, but that's it just something else. Stupid. Yes, yeah. Exactly. It even looks kind of stupid in the graphic novel. I'm sorry, it yeah. does. Oh <clears throat> uh, well. I mean, I, I think it's a cool idea, but I think it's done better by uh, the movie, mm-hmm. which I really enjoy this movie. It's not your your usual superhero movie that that you were getting around that time, or right now, where there's tons of action and everything. This is story-driven. This is character-driven. This, yeah. is, this, is, this is what more superhero movies should be. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, I, I think this movie didn't do as well as it should have done. I think it made... Barely over a hundred thousand dollars, hundred million dollars, excuse me, and uh, I think the it was like a hundred twenty million dollar budget for it too. Oh, that sucks. So yeah, that sucks. I do think Malin Ackerman is miscast. Very much so. She's yeah. fucking horrible in this movie, mm-hmm. <laughs> especially and I watching. I like it this her. Time. I do too. She's but... fine, but don't challenge her. Yeah, That's all. <laughs> get her for pretty roles or, yeah. or like Rampage. She was fine. Yeah, yeah she was a, like a villain. Exactly. Make her villains. This role was complicated, and she was not up to the task. Sorry, yeah. Malin. Yes, stick to Harold and Kumar. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> And our last thing that we've that we've seen recently is the first season of Future Man. Yes. 
Uh, Josh Futterman, a janitor by day and a gamer by night, is recruited by mysterious visitors to travel through time to prevent the extinction of humanity. Uh, this is a show that's produced by, actually, Josh Hutcherson, Seth Rogen, Evan Goldberg, all those guys who've done, like, the movies we've seen in the past, like Superbad and right. all those, that group of guys, except James Franco. Yeah, I thought I saw James Franco's name attached to it in the credits, but when I looked it on, up on IMDb, he's not there, so I feel way less guilty, because by James Franco, he's disgusting. <laughs> Remember you took a selfie with him? Ah, uh, I didn't know! <laughs> I took that selfie down from Facebook, I'm pretty oh, sure. Oh, you did? I don't think it's there anymore, uh, yeah. I have a blog about it, too, I need to take that down. Fuck you, James Franco. He <laughs> ruined your blog! And I didn't get a picture with Chris O'Dowd that same day. Consolation um, prize, Franco. So anyway, <laughs> what are your thoughts on this on this show? You know, when we first started watching it, you were like, you know, there's a lot of dick jokes in there. And I was yeah. like, well, Seth Rogen, of course. There's going to be a lot of dick jokes. Right. When I saw that they were the producers, I was like, oh, that's why there's an excessive <clears throat> amount of dick jokes. <laughs> so the I came in on the second episode, like halfway through. Mm-hmm. Um, I picked it up pretty quickly from there. Yeah. Um, by like the fourth episode, I was fucking cracking up because <laughs> it gets pretty funny. It gets yeah. really funny, and I and this a few weeks ago I was talking about Bumblebee and how much I disliked that movie mm-hmm. because that movie wasn't made for me. This show was made for me. Yes. This is done by guys my age who watched all the same shit I watched when I was a kid mm-hmm. and still watch now. So all that all that stuff's in there. Uh, they take a lot of pop culture references and they they kind of they mix it into the show slyly they do it it's not done with too many winks you know like hey Usually. remember this back to the future you know, reference wink 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 sometimes sometimes they do yeah. but there's a lot of little things that you can pick up throughout the show that i mean if you haven't seen these movies a million times you might not get it right but it's it's pretty funny the one of the main characters um, wolf Yes. <clears throat> Played by Derek Wilson, who's really hasn't done anything. Yeah, guys, who is this guy? Dude, he's fucking really hilarious funny. Yeah. In, this, in this show. And I even like Eliza Koo, who is from like Happy Endings and who was um, that TV series Happy Endings and mm-hmm. Scrubs. The later like, seasons of Scrubs, yeah. Uh, she always kind of plays like a hard ass mm-hmm. in her roles, and she does a really good job in here, too. Uh, tell us, tell us your love of Josh Hutcherson, please, and the analogy that, yeah. <laughs> that, that they actually say it in the show too. Um, so yeah, so I was trying to figure out my thing for Josh Hutcherson, like I said in our detention episode, because I do feel weird about it, and I couldn't pinpoint it. Because yeah, okay, he's twelve years younger than me, but it's not <laughs> like he's an adolescent; like he's twenty-six <laughs> years old. So why do I feel gross that I'm attracted to him and his love interest? says something like, what, there, she's kind of asked the same question, and she says, I don't know, he's kind of cute in a harmless, but not unattractive way. And I turned to Larry and was like, that's it. That's exactly it. And he's funny in this. He really is. He's funny in detention, too. Oh, yeah. He's, he is. All the characters in here are great. Ed Begley Jr. is fucking hilarious oh, in this. Love him. I always loved him. Uh, Glenn Headley, unfortunately, I don't think she's going to be in too many other episodes. Uh, she passed away during, I think, after the filming of the first season. Yeah, or she's during. At credited least. for all thirteen, but it it must have been during because the first episode is dedicated to her memory. Right. Yeah. So. And I I believe Hulu shit all these out and just like a whole season just out there at once. I think so too. So that's why, but. 
It's a definite check it out if you can sift through the dick jokes because they don't let up. But the, <laughs> the show does get cleverer and cleverer. Yes. M- my favorite episode is there's an episode that takes a bunch of shots at James Cameron. At the same time, also is paying homage to all the great movies that James Cameron right, made. Yes. While also taking shots at his ego and his bad movies. Right. And so that, I loved it. And you know that I love James Cameron. He's my favorite director. He's done my favorite movie of all time. But I was fucking cracking up. <laughs> all the shit <laughs> so there. So funny. Yeah. But like I will defend him through most of everything. But yeah, uh, it was it was hilarious that whole episode. Yeah. <laughs> the James Cameron episode. Take shots at James Cameron. He'll be fine. Yeah. Well, yeah. He's <laughs> totally fine. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> good at marriage, James Cameron. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit! That means my dad's good at marriage then. <laughs> You're listening to the Prescribed Films Podcast Network, home to hundreds of hours of free podcast entertainment. The shows on this network all have a common goal, providing you with the best discussions about movies and other forms of entertainment media. The PFPN hopes to fill your ear holes with audio joy. Visit our website with links to all the other amazing shows at www.thepfpn.com. Thanks for listening. Our movie of the week is the 1999 movie Go. It is available to rent on Amazon, or you can just get the DVD off the shelf, which my wife hates to do and <laughs> just rather buy movies. God, I'm sorry. It might actually even be my DVD. No, it's mine. I <laughs> bought it. <laughs> it was $3 and we didn't have to get up. I was up already. <laughs> I just gotten home. Anyway. <laughs> Go. Tells the story of events after a drug deal, told from three different points of view. So it's an up-all-night movie with intertwining stories. Mm-hmm. It's directed by Doug Lyman, who is known mostly for his, kind of his first film, Swingers, mm-hmm. with uh, John Favreau and Vince Vaughn, and um, Jumper, which, yeah. I mean, yeah, who gives a shit about that movie? But he did do The Bourne Identity, and that was my... I like The Bourne Identity. Mm-hmm. I fucking hate the other two that came after it. The, right. the Supremacy and, and the uh, Bourne Ultimatum. Uh, I don't like Paul Greengrass as a director. I think he's garbage. I think that whole... Shaky that shaky cam. fucking cam mm-hmm. throughout all the scenes. I can't see what the hell's going on. <laughs> and it was... You know, he did that movie, United 93... About the the terrorist oh. attacks on nine eleven, he did that. He did that movie, and yeah, it's shaky cam on that. And I'm like, oh yeah, well that probably makes sense with all the fucking turbulence on the plane. Yeah. Otherwise, learn how to film, you piece of garbage. Anyway, <laughs> <clears throat> uh, <laughs> but he has nothing to do with this. He has nothing to do with this. Good, because I wouldn't. I wouldn't review it. I'm not reviewing any of his crap. <laughs> 
And then the writer is John August, who wrote Charlie's Angels, Big Fish, Corpse Bride, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark, which is coming out, um, Frankenweenie, The Nines. He did a lot of Tim Burton movies. Oh, I love Frankenweenie. He wrote a lot of them, yeah. That movie made me cry, stupid Frankenweenie. <laughs> it did, man. So there was a good writer behind this movie. Right. Um, so our story starts off with the Katie Holmes character just talking to someone that we don't see mm-hmm. and she's just talking about how just how unpredictable things are or just in the last day or just in the world and in life how unpredictable things are mm-hmm. and then we cut to a, uh, a grocery store where Sarah, pa- Sarah Polly's working and she's a red cash uh, cashier there and she, we learn that she's being evicted from her from her house or apartment and she mm-hmm. needs to make extra money so as she's leaving work after working what fourteen hours, she's asked by uh, one of her co-workers, uh, Simon, who is played by uh, Desmond Skew, who I I've seen his name on like video games before as like uh, as one of the characters, one of the voice talents, and then you wrote on our little sheets here that he was in The Hills Have Eyes. He was the guy in the wheelchair, yeah, like, with the big brain, like just. Ah, I gotta watch it again. <laughs> He's this, like, shrimpy little English guy. Right. (laughs) Uh, She ends up taking his shift. and So I guess she's going to work, what, 24-hour day? Yeah. That sucks. (laughs) Uh, She works the the cash... She's still working at the cash register, and these two guys come up and ask her if they know about the the guy that she took the shift from. Uh, The two guys are played by Jay Moore and Scott Wolf. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, we saw earlier in the scene that they're actors because they pass by a TV screen where they're acting in mm-hmm. a scene, and then we see them at the grocery store and they're buying like a shitload of orange juice. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> they ask uh, Rana, who's played by Sarah Polly, uh, if Simon's there, and she tells him no. And then they're like, "Do you, is there any way you know you can hook us up for you know ecstasy?" Mm-hmm. And seeing as she needs to make some more money. She says yes, and her her friend, uh, Katie Holmes, her name's Claire, and her other co-worker, uh, his name's Manny, who's played by this guy, uh, Nathan Bexton, which I haven't seen him in anything else, really. No. Um, I guess he just does a lot of Canadian stuff, I'm maybe. assuming, because I've never heard of any of the movies. He's in a few movies, and uh, he's Canadian, so I thought those okay. must be Canadian movies that I've never heard of or seen. It's too bad he's really funny in this. Yeah, dude, he's hilarious. Some other stuff. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so the three of them go out to the drug dealer's house where Simon usually gets his ecstasy or weed or whatever, and uh, Sarah Polly goes up and you know and asks the drug dealer who was played by uh, uh, Timothy Oliphant, who you fucking creamed all over as soon as he came up on screen. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> where did I see him first? This or Scream Two? Probably Scream Two. It must two have came been Scream first. Two, yeah. Yeah, that was still that was well, I was in high school still, so I think, I, th- I think Go came out right after. Right after I was in high school, yeah. Because he's, I don't know, he's wearing so many clothes in Scream Two. <laughs> Wait, he's shirtless yeah, when you first see him. Yeah, for half the movie. Yeah, he's fucking <laughs> he's shirtless. Got shirt on. <laughs> and that's fine. He used to be a swimmer at UCLA. Guys. <laughs> So Rana uh, gets some drugs from him, and he automatically suspects that she's with the law, right? Uh, or that she's wearing a wire because she asked for 
20 pills, and he's like, you know, 20 pills is the exact thing for uh, drug trafficking. Trafficking, yep. And like, where are you trying to fuck me over? She's like, no, I'm not. I'm just trying to get these pills for me and a bunch of people. We want to mm-hmm. have a fun at this rave. The scene, I think he's scary in this scary, scene. Scary, yes. He cranks up the music, and he whispers something to her, and you don't know what he said until she takes her shirt off and turns around. He's and, looking for a wire. Right, and then at first you kind of think he's might not be up to yeah. good. And you're like, and because he has that... Uh, uh, Timothy Oliphant has that look in his eyes to where it, it looks like he can kill you at any moment. Yeah. He's like, you'll, he's the kind of guy you can just talk, you tell a story and he'll look at you and that look on his face is, is kind of like saying, like, yeah, you're full of shit. I'm going to wait till we're out of this restaurant and I'm going to stab you in the parking lot. Yeah. That's what he looks he's like. He's got the crazy <clears throat> eyes. He does, man. I wouldn't fuck with that guy. <laughs> <laughs> Even though he's an actor, but whatever. Um, whatchamacallit. So they end up going to, um, Simon ends up giving, uh, Rana the pills and they... Uh, not Simon. His name is... I'm not sorry, excuse me. Uh, Todd. Todd. Yeah. Didn't you go out with a guy named Todd, too? I did. Yeah. Oh, it's all Todd, coming together now. Todd right. is generally not a name that, like, strikes fear in the hearts of men. Which I think is maybe <laughs> on purpose, because he's really scary in this, and his name's yeah. Todd. <laughs> so she, um... Gets the the uh, the pills and she's gonna go sell them to uh, the uh, the two actors, mm-hmm. but she has she doesn't have enough money, so she has to leave uh, Katie Holmes with them as collateral. Right. <laughs> and she is not on board. No, she is not very happy. She does not <laughs> like drug dealers. <laughs> so um, from there on, she goes to the house with the two actors. And that's when we get to meet William Fickner, who we talk about a lot in this a lot in this podcast because yeah. he's like an awesome character actor. Yeah, I didn't yeah. write down any of his credits. I wrote down everything. Everything. <laughs> everything. <laughs> we get to meet him, and this we, is your favorite of his roles. This right? is this is my favorite <laughs> William Fickner role, <laughs> which we'll get into a little bit later because he's shown kind of. Like, more in the beginning and at the end of the movie. Right. Or, yeah, the, the beginning segment and the end segment. Mm-hmm. So, um, Rana kind of figures out that, you know, he's a cop. And she ends up ditching the pills that um, uh, Todd had given her in the toilet. And, uh, you know, the cops are trying to get the pills from her still. And she's like, you know, I'm underage. You know, I shouldn't be doing this. I got to leave. And the cops yeah. kind of, like, let her go. Fit- Fickner had handed her a beer. Yeah, she's like, and I'm so only 17. I shouldn't be drinking. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Seeing as I'm so underage and all. And then he lets her go. Yeah. So, unfortunately, she ditched the pills. And so she, now she's out of all of her money. So her and Manny, who had just taken a couple of those pills, <laughs> he took <laughs> he two, two, yeah. two hits of ecstasy. <laughs> Go to the store to go find more pills so they can give them back to Todd and get their money back and hopefully he won't notice. So our grocery scene <clears throat> is of Manny pretty much just fucked up on ecstasy, seeing things that aren't really happening. And he has like this whole dance number with one of the ca- other cashiers <laughs> at the restaurant while Macarena plays. And they're just dancing around the whole uh, the whole grocery store. Like eating and it, fruit. And <laughs> it's hilarious. Rolling around in the vegetables. And all he is really is doing is he's standing by one of the checkout laser things and just kind of like hitting the the laser on there, making a noise. And he's while just, he stares at the cashier. Right. <laughs> uh, so uh, so Rana gets the these pills that look similar to the ecstasy. She goes back to Todd to go pick up uh, Claire. And gives Todd the pills. They leave and get the fuck out of there. Uh, Manny's freaking out a little bit too while he's at at the apartment of the truck dealer, because uh, he's 
having like a, a, a conversation with a cat mentally. With Todd's cat. With yeah. Todd's cat. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, yeah. And the, just, yeah, just watch that part. It's funny. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> they leave, go to the, uh, the rave. Todd finds out that those drugs are fake. Mm-hmm. Uh, the whole group goes to the rave. Rana is like, you know, I need to make more money to make rent. She starts selling aspirin and chewable aspirin to like these posers and stuff. <laughs> and <laughs> she they, tells them they have to smoke a ton of pot with it. Lots of weeds for, for, for it to yeah. really get the best. And they out all of think it. they're feeling it. And it was just sinus medication, so that's why they're feeling all great. <laughs> yeah. So Todd over here is guys saying like the same thing he said to her when he sold her the drugs. So he finds her in the rave and he's about to kill her, but she accidentally gets hit by a car and shot off into a ditch, and. That's where our first story comes to a close. Mm-hmm. Our second story starts out with Simon, the guy who trades his shift into uh, Rana because he wants to go to Las Vegas with a bunch of his friends. And he's never been. He's like a British dude. and mm-hmm. He's really nuts, too. And from just like the opening scene, you can see that he's jacked up already. <laughs> <laughs> so our scene starts out with him in the trunk of a car when his friends all driving to Las Vegas because... I guess he'd probably party too hard the night before. <laughs> At least threw his ass in the trunk. <laughs> then we get to meet uh, his three friends, which are uh, played by Tay Diggs, mm-hmm. uh, Brecken Meyer, mm-hmm. and James Duvall, who I remember mostly from uh, Donnie Darko and uh, May. That's right, May. Yeah, he's yeah. like the guy who comes and is like, man, it's hot. You gotta eat ice. And he puts like ice <laughs> on his nipples. Yeah, it's fucking weird. Yeah, and Frank the Bunny. <laughs> Frank the Bunny, right. Donnie Darko, yeah. Right. Uh, we get to meet those guys, and they're driving out to Las Vegas. They end up hitting like that uh, this buffet, and if you've never been to Las Vegas, they have huge buffets there. Mm. And they're staying at the Riviera, and I actually stayed at the Riviera once. It's a kind of a shithole. It's an older. It was. It's not there anymore. It was yeah. an older casino. Um, so they go to the buffet, eat, and. Two of the guys, uh, Breck and Meyer and James Duvall, eat too much shrimp. <laughs> so they got the shits. They and they can't go out. Yeah, yeah, they get food poisoning and can't go out for the night. Uh, so Tay Diggs and um, Simon go out and start to gamble and party and everything. And um, at the casino, <laughs> uh, Simon loses all of his money and he's just kind of wandering ar- around the casino and he sees that there's a wedding going on. Because that tends to happen in casinos a lot. There's Huge places, and they tend to have a lot of rooms for weddings. Yeah, we went to a really nice wedding yes, in Vegas. We did. I didn't know they got so ritzy in Vegas. Oh they yeah, do. they do, man. He crashes a wedding and ends up sleeping with a couple of the bridesmaids in their uh, their room that they got. They ac- accidentally start a fire in the room. <laughs> long and, story. Yeah, long story. <laughs> he evacuates, meets back up with Tay Diggs. They leave the casino, and they're got. But I guess we really don't know where we're about to go. But uh, Tay Diggs is wearing this yellow blazer, right? Yeah. And it's the same color that the the parking attendants are wearing. So this guy drives up in this, uh, I want to say it's a Ferrari. And he throws the keys to Tay Diggs, like, keep it close. There's extra money in it for you. And before that even, people were kind of fucking with him about this coat. Because it's like a mustard color looking blazer. And like this one guy threw him a dollar in the in the bathroom at the casino because they thought he was a bathroom attendant. <laughs> That's <laughs> one of my favorite parts. I am not a bathroom attendant. 
So, I think he looks foxy in his mustard yellow jacket. Tay Diggs has flawless skin. He can wear any color. Dude, yeah. He can he can wear any costume. and <laughs> Ladies are going to love that guy yeah. no matter what. He's beautiful. Yeah, he's a beautiful man. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> so... Uh, so like, fuck it, let's take this Ferrari, get the fuck out of here. And they end up stealing this dude's car. They go to a strip club. And before they can enter the strip club, we all know Simon's pretty crazy. Mm-hmm. So Tay Diggs tells him, his name is Marcus. He tells him, whatever you do, do not order champagne. Because when you order champagne, that means you want private dances and it can be a lot of money. So, Which Simon doesn't have because which, yeah, he already pissed it He already blew it all. <laughs> but he does have... Um, what you call it? Todd's. He has Todd's credit card for right. some reason. Yeah. For I don't know emergencies or whatever. I guess they're really close friends. Mm-hmm. So, so he ends up. Um, so they go to this this strip club. They're just getting their drinks. The first two strippers come up to him, and automatically Simon's like, "I want your most expensive bottle of champagne." Mm-hmm. So they go to the back room to do their private dance. Uh, he gives the the bouncer his credit card. And they start their dance, and of course they tell you, you can't touch the strippers. You can't, you know, just just sit on your hands, fuckers, yeah, for the most part. right. And of course, Simon, they're a couple minutes in, and he grabs, <laughs> he ends up grabbing one of the strippers. I mean, he put his hands on the first one, and she's like, like ah, uh-uh, ah, uh-uh, Right, yeah. they warned him. But mm-hmm. then he grabs the one's butt, and like both cheeks, too. And she flips. Flips out. The bouncer comes in, starts beating the piss out of Simon. Uh, you know, starts getting into a fight with Tay Diggs. Before that, even which I, mi- I I'm sorry I missed this part yeah. when they stole the Ferrari that there's a a handgun in the a nine milli in the Ferrari mm-hmm. and Simon as we all know he's nuts he's just kind of like pointing the gun everywhere and Teddy Diggs is like what are you doing stop that you know and, and <laughs> yeah so he had, they they have a gun on them now too and for some reason Simon still has it which they make a point of it a little well let's. I'll tell you when they make a point of it. We'll get there. So Simon ends up shooting the bouncer in the arm, which, well, fuck. I mean, that's some crazy stuff to start doing, you know. Yeah, firing bullets now in Vegas. They escape through the back, get back in the Ferrari. The Ferrari kind of dies on them. There's a mechanism on it which makes it stop if it's been reported stolen or something, I guess. So they ditch the Ferrari, and they find out, well, they know that that the guys at the strip club are going to start coming to get them they're gonna find out where they're staying they're gonna you know fuck them up kill them probably yeah they end up going and that's when yeah so the it seems like the owner and the manager maybe the owner's son you know yeah it's the owner's son seems like it yeah right he's sewing up the his son and he's chastising him and you realize or you find out that they patted down Tay Diggs, uh-huh. but they didn't pat down Simon. Right, yeah. And so the owner chastises them, and he says something pretty racist about how you should pat down the black guy's friend, too. Yeah, yep. So that's how Simon was able to get in with the, with the with gun. With the gun, yeah. <laughs> and, that, and, and that guy is played by, oh, damn, what's his name? He, I think he just died not too long ago. Oh, no. I don't think I put him um, on here. He's in a lot of, um, fuck J.E. Freeman, that's his name. Okay. He is in a lot of David Lynch movies. He was in Alien Resurrection. He was like one of the bad guys, one of the scientist guys. This is the the strip club owner that we're yeah, talking about, Yeah, the strip right? club owner. Okay. Uh, he's in lots of other shit. Usually, he's so familiar. He's yeah. very familiar guy. He does a lot of... He's usually a bad guy, it seems like, <laughs> or a creepy dude in movies. Uh, so we get to meet him. 
Uh, they end up getting back to their hotel room at the Riviera, and they meet up with the guys. They still have, like, food poisoning, and they're still taking shits, and just kind of, like, maxing out in the hotel room, and they're like, hey, we gotta get the fuck out of here, hurry up, let's go, let's go, let's go. They have to pay the, the next door kid to let them through to their room, because the, the strip club owner and his son are starting breaking into their room, because mm-hmm. they found them really quick. They bolt out of there, they shoot out of the Riviera, uh, they start, you know, chasing, there's a big chase scene. The uh, uh, our group of four guys ends up getting away before uh, the the manager and his son crash their car doing their chase through Las Vegas. Mm-hmm. Uh, and their car gets fucked up too, <laughs> like their whole back end gets just smashed up. And then they're like, "Fuck this! We gotta get the fuck out of here. Let's go to let's go back to L.A." And none of us, no one knows who we are. We didn't use our credit card. Mm-hmm. I think we're we're in the clear for this. But so they, they did use Todd's. Mm, they used Todd's. Yep. And that's where our second story ends. Mm-hmm. Our third story ends, <laughs> starts off, of course, in the uh, grocery store again with the two actors when they're buying orange juice. And we see that they are undercover right now for a cop because it seems like they got caught up buying drugs, maybe, uh-huh. or having on drug possession. And it's one of the, the cop of William Fickner asks uh, the Jay Moore character is like yeah I had a girlfriend and <laughs> he's like well I, I kind of I did you know but there's been problems like she's cheating on me kind of thing and you it's set up to, to, to seem like the uh, Jay Moore and Scott Wolf character are fucking the same girl because you really don't know um, too much about them until right. later on in the film so William Fickner has him by the balls. He's like, you help me out, and we're going to try and get this guy Todd, the drug dealer. Uh, we want to, we, we need to arrest up. We're not going to arrest down. Yeah. We're going to arrest you guys as long as you help us out. Help us get this guy, and you're free to go. We won't mess with you anymore. Yeah, so they wanted Simon, but they Simon, want Simon wasn't there. Yeah. Right. Um, so the, um, the whole scene happens again in the... Uh, in the house where Rana was dropping off the drugs, and Fickner's pretty much lets him go, but he's like, you know, um, would you mind coming over and having dinner with my wife and me? On Christmas Eve. <laughs> <A> Christmas Eve <laughs> dinner. And all around this time, like William Fickner's kind of being like asking really personal questions about <laughs> to them, just about their love life and everything, and they're kind of really standoffish. But then they start to talk more about it like you know uh just talking about how their girlfriend uh just messed with them with another friend and you're you're figuring this out through that through them just going more and more and more about it i gotta say i caught it right away at the very beginning i knew it i fucking had no clue (laughs) so um, when we get to Fickner's house, his wife, played by Jane Krakowski, <laughs> um, asks, you know, Scott Wolf about, you know, kissing and everything. So she starts making out with Scott Wolf while Jay Moore goes into the bathroom to, like, kind of wash his face off. When he comes out, William Fickner is just naked standing in front of him. <laughs> he's just doing, asking him, like, he's like, you like this cologne and stuff? And yeah. He's just being really weird. And you're mm-hmm. like, and from the perspective of the, of the audience, you think maybe... These the, these two, uh, the cop and his wife, are like swingers or yeah, something. Yeah, exactly. They're really they weird swing. about it, you know, because mm-hmm. seeing as, like, he was asking all those questions before, and you kind of think he brought them there to have, like, a foursome with them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so 
what it actually is is that they wanted to sell Amway yeah. <laughs> or Confederated, Confederated products. products, right? Uh, so they're a little confused about that, <laughs> and they're like, "Uh, okay." So they take their book and they and they leave. And as soon as they leave and they start to talk, and then when they're not around anyone else, that's when I was like, "Oh shit, these guys are gay." They're lovers. They're yeah. lovers. I'm like, "Holy fuck! Why didn't I pick this up?" And even through the, like the last viewing, just of how <laughs> you can see like little things and, and movements and stuff and and quirks throughout to show like yeah they're they were gay guys <laughs> like it's so it's fucking hilarious just to to finally find that out and just to see how stupid everyone else is around them and another funny thing is that katie holmes is kind of like uh the person who's taking the back seat to all of this in the movie so she's in the beginning Kind of right in the middle and right at the end. Mm -hmm. And right in the middle, she says, when she sees uh, Jay Moore and Scott Wolf, she goes, man, all the gay guys are hot. Yeah. And that should have tipped me off right away. Or anyone off right away. Mm -hmm. Which, I didn't get it until right when they left that house. They got in their car and went to the store and started speaking to each other. And I was like, oh, fuck. Wow. I called it right from the beginning. Maybe that's just symbolic of how women are more into yeah, that hey, kind of thing. There you go. I'm, I'm fine with that. I don't care. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, uh, sorry. Uh, so from there, they they find out that the person that they were cheating on was the same person. Yeah. And it's just like holy shit. So they went to go meet the guy at his apartment, and his roommate answers the door. Who is Melissa McCarthy? And the first thing I've ever seen her in. Me too. And it's a small two-minute role, yeah. but she's pretty funny in it. She is. <laughs> she has maybe four lines, and I giggled the whole time. She's just saying, like, uh, you guys know, right? And they're like, oh, yeah, we know. And then she told him a quick story about how how one guy was over, then left, and, like, a few minutes later, the next guy came yeah. over. They <laughs> missed she, each other by, like, ten minutes. Yeah. <laughs> she's <laughs> cracking up. <laughs> so they end up meeting the guy over at the same rave that everyone else went to. Uh, <laughs> they kind of sneak up to him and like, hey, how you doing? And he's like, oh, hi, honey. And then the other one's right behind. And they end up cutting his hair. Yeah. And a funny little note that you ended up putting up in in the uh, our little sheet here with yeah. the, our cast is that this guy, his name was Jimmy in makeup. And he was actually the, the makeup guy for this movie. I'm not sure right? if it was this movie, but he's literally a makeup guy. Like, he's in the in makeup department. Real, real life. It's the only movie he's ever been in, yeah. But he's got a lot of makeup credits. <laughs> he's the guy who does he's makeup, makeup movies, guy. yeah. <laughs> uh, so they cut his hair, then they leave, and that's when they are the ones who actually hit Rana in the parking lot of this rave, and she goes sailing off in the ravine. They bolt... Because Todd tries to look in the car to see who that is and what right. happened. Right, and Todd's got a gun out because he was going to shoot Ron on the parking lot. And he's, mm -hmm. Todd's just like, oh, fuck, what the hell's going on? Someone took care of the job for me. Also a scary scene. He's scary in he's this, scary. I think. He's, yeah. he's scary. He can be, he's scary in that, that one show with Drew Barrymore. And he's a funny part, so. I guess. It's the eyes. Look at his eyes. He's the funniest part of Santa Clarita Diet. But yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's pretty funny. Uh, they kind of get... Uh, chicken about it. They they think they're gonna get caught, so they they feel bad. They they go back to the parking lot and they see Ron in the ditch. They go and try and you know see what they can do, but she's actually alive. They're, they're <laughs> my favorite line I think in the whole movie is Scott Wolf opens his trunk, 
and he tries to move stuff out of the way. It's this tiny little barely a trunk, and Jay Moore just goes, stop, stop it. It's a Miata. You're never going to fit a body in trunk. He doesn't say the last part. He just says, it's a Miata. Makes me laugh every time. <laughs> so, yeah, they get her out of the ditch, and she coughs. and You're like, oh, she's alive. So they yeah. kind of just throw her up on the hood of a car in the in the parking lot, and a bunch of these ravers come out like, oh, yeah. shit, that's Rana, or they whoever her name They the alarm, because they want yeah. people to find her. They yeah. feel really bad about it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and people come, and she ends up in the hospital, they book. Uh, she leaves the hospital, goes back to work, and uh, Katie Holmes is... Actually, you know what? That part hasn't come up yet. Actually, you know what? Um, the Katie Holmes character was ditched yeah. at the rave. She had so no she ride back. Yeah. So she thinks, right. Mm-hmm. And Manny's not there because Manny uh, ran with Rana when she saw... Uh, what's his face? Todd. Todd there at the rave to go kill her. So... And Manny's still fucked up. <laughs> so she ends up hiding Manny in like this, I guess, uh, between these garbage cans and like sheet metal. He <laughs> looks so scared. He's crying. He's puking <laughs> all over <laughs> So uh, she, um, uh, Katie Holmes walks, like, walks home or she walks to this restaurant and sits down and gets coffee and she sees that Todd is there also. <laughs> And it's just like, oh, well, this movie just keeps connecting everyone together, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. And she's like, well, fuck it, you know? She goes and sits down next to him. And she's like, do you mind if I sit there? You know, they have a conversation about everything. And that's where the movie starts, where she just spoke in the beginning of the movie. And the whole time, he looks shocked and a little scared. Because, because yeah, he doesn't he just, know what she knows. Right, yeah. He, <laughs> he kind of figures out, like, oh, she doesn't know anything. Mm-hmm. Hmm, okay, this is good. <laughs> Let's go with this. Right. <laughs> Um, they start making out back at his apartments and, well, they haven't reached his apartment just yet. They're on the stairs to his apartment mm-hmm. and he sees that his cat is out and he looks up and the guys from the strip club, the manager and his son, the bouncer are there waiting <laughs> for him because Simon uses a credit card. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> and one of the funnier parts of the movie, oh, this whole movie's fucking hilarious, yeah. but a, a funny part of the movie is that, um... The next scene is Todd up with those guys in his in his apartment, and he's drawing a map to show how to get to Simon's apartment <laughs> to kill him. He doesn't hesitate for a second. No. And he's like, you know what? There's a lot of construction on this street. Take this route instead. You know, he's like, draw this map. <laughs> but then a few minutes later, Simon enters the door, and they, you know, the the guys grab him, and they're like, they're gonna kill him in Todd's apartment. He's like, whoa, whoa, whoa! Like, what do you guys really want to do? And they're like. Eye for an eye, you know? So well, Katie Holmes diffuses the whole thing. Right, yeah, exactly. Yeah. She yells really loud, like, what do you guys want, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so uh, what they're going to do is shoot Simon in the arm because he shot the bouncer in the arm. They thought that's, you know, that's fair, right? Mm-hmm. And you don't have to kill anyone. And then Katie Holmes is like, I really don't want to watch this. And Simon's like, I really do want to watch this. He's like, all right, let's Todd. go. Todd, Todd, I'm yeah. sorry. Todd's like, I right, man, I, I'm really into this. So he's really <laughs> waiting to see Simon get his arm shot. And, like uh, we all are. Yeah. <laughs> so Katie Holmes leaves and we hear a shot and then Simon's like, okay, I'm all right. <laughs> and she ends up going to work and she sees Rana there and she's like, where's Manny? And they're like, oh, fuck. So <laughs> they left poor Manny there overnight into the boarding and he's still in between a few garbage cans covered with sheet metal. <laughs> and 
they they get into their car and leave, and Manny's like, "So, what are we doing tonight? What are we doing for oh, New what Year's? Do, what are we doing for New Year's? I'm sorry, because it's I won't call this a Christmas movie. I'll call this a movie that occurs at Christmas. They only mention it a couple times. Yeah, yeah. I will still call it a Christmas movie though. Okay. But fuck it, I'll do a movie whenever I want. No, no matter what, for sure. Um, yeah. So what are we doing for New Year's? Yeah, and then that's pretty much that's the movie it. right there. And mm-hmm. then no one died. No one. Di- no kills in this movie, but there are ten breasts. Yep. And we came close to a penis. Shadows don't we count. Did. Yeah, mm-hmm. William Fickner. Mm-hmm. Uh, what grade do you give this movie? I give this movie an A. I, I didn't see it in the theaters, but I saw it in college, so I didn't mm. see it too long after it came out on VHS, I guess. Yeah, same here. Um, I, I saw it tons of times in college. My friends and I dabbled in hallucinogens and <laughs> raves and whatnot. <laughs> so it was. we thought this movie was so cool, whatever, and... And I didn't expect it to grow up with me, but it's still funny. It it's holds still, up. Oh, this it's a very clever movie. Yeah, This is a very, very clever movie. I give it an A also. Mm-hmm. There's some great scenes, great lines, great acting, When did great you characters. see it first on, on VHS? VHS right after it came out. It was my brother, actually. He was like, dude, you got to fucking see this movie. I'm like, really? <laughs> He's like, yeah, dude, there's this character in this movie. It reminds me of you. I'm like, oh, fuck, yeah, all right, this is going to be awesome. And as we're going through the characters, I'm like, okay, which one's me, which one's me? And he's like, oh, that's the dude, that's you. And he's the guy from the second story, the James Duvall character, the guy who wears the wife beater and who eats too much shrimp and gets sick and takes a shit. That guy? Yeah, he said that guy reminds me of me because whenever I used to hang out with my brother, he, um, we lived in a three-flat apartment my dad bought. And I lived with my dad. I was... Uh, 18 at the time, I want to say, and my brother lived in the garden apartment of that building, so I would go down there and hang out with him, we'd watch movies and get drunk and shit. So yeah, he was just like, yeah, you gotta check this movie out, it's it's, it's hilarious. So I went down there, and, and my brother, I was, always used to take a crap in his apartment just to fuck with him, So and I always used to wear the, the white Dago tee, or the okay. white undershirt, and so that's why that kind of character reminded him of me. He's a good-looking guy. I just didn't get hey, it. Well, yeah. Well, hey, what can you say? I man? think you're a good-looking guy. Oh, thanks. Thank you very much. <laughs> so yeah, that's when I first saw it, uh, and I loved it automatically. And I was like, I, and I bought it on DVD. I want to say about a year later, and mm-hmm. uh, it's still on the shelf. <laughs> <laughs> Collecting dust. Just yeah, get rid of it. Because we won't watch it on DVD. <laughs> But yeah, it's always fun when a movie from 1999 holds up. I can't even really think of any part where I was like, ooh, that didn't age well. No, not at all. I think not everything's fine, yeah. Favorite part? Um, Man, I don't know. It, it's a toss-up between everything William Fichter does <laughs> at his house to stop it. It's, it's a Miata. Miata. <laughs> uh, mine is the, the grocery scene where Manny is yeah. fucked up on, Ellis, on uh, ecstasy and he's dancing with the other cashier. It's yeah. just hilarious. It's a great scene. <laughs> um, I learned today, I looked up Confederated Products, um, and John August, the writer, tries to incorporate Confederated Products into all of his movies. Oh, really? <laughs> usually, he said usually they don't cut it, so it's been mentioned... In Big Fish and Charlie's Angels, he writes it into all his movies, <laughs> and usually they just leave it in. It's just a fake take on Amway. Yeah. All right. Cool. Fun fact. Fun fact. Oh, well, I give this movie an A. Everyone should check this one out if you like comedy. This is probably our first straight-up comedy on the show. Yeah. 
Before was Detention, but that was a horror comedy, so it right. really doesn't count. Comedy horror. Yeah, this is straight up comedy. Check it out. Yeah. Uh, a for me. Uh, yeah, that's about it for us this episode. Yeah. Uh, you are going to be playing the new Resident Evil 2 yes. soon, aren't you? So I get the code at 8 p.m. tonight. Ooh. That's in like an hour and a half. All right. Mm-hmm. I'm going to finish so up this go. episode. We got to go. She got to play New Resident Evil 2. Can't wait. Zombies. I read a couple of reviews of it today, and they were just glowing. Nice. I can't wait to awesome. play it. Yeah. Awesome. Can't wait. Thank you guys for joining us once again, and we will see you next week. Thanks for listening. I was lying on the grass on Sunday morning of last week, indulging in Yeah.